Having said that, that wasn't stupid. That was actually good. Um, if you've got a Bible there, turn with me to Matthew 25, <coughs> please. Last week, we started looking at the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents, Matthew <coughs> 25. If you weren't here last week and you didn't hear last week's message, jump on iTunes, um, Arise Church Lismore, click on that and it'll, it'll, it'll be on there. Just to give you a quick summary, Jesus, at the beginning of Matthew 24, is asked a question by his disciples. The question is, what will be the sign of your returning? How will we know that you're coming? What's the deal? And as a result of that question, Jesus then goes on this long discourse that we find recorded in Matthew 24 and 25. The whole two chapters are in response to this question from the disciples, what will be the sign of the end? How will we know? Now, Jesus, being the intelligent man that he was, could see through questions and could see the heart of people and knew where people were coming from even more than where they did. And so Jesus gives the question a little bit of a different spin. He eventually says to them, look, here's the deal. Nobody will know the hour or the time, only the Father in heaven. Jesus said, I don't even know that. I'm not privy to that information at this point. Only the Father actually knows the exact time when he will return. Now, even though that's pretty simple, I, 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 will, I will give you a couple of facts. I did uh, jump online and have a look at, at, at um, this whole issue of the return of Christ. How many of you know, even though Jesus was pretty point blank, you're not going to know, People have still spent time and energy trying to work out the date and the time. I didn't realise there had been so many times that Jesus was going to come. Um, here are some dates. Uh, 2020, supposed to be returning. So that gives you how many years now? About four years. So if you're thinking about starting a degree, hurry up. Otherwise, he's going to rock up the day before your grad and you're going to be really annoyed at him. Uh, but one person, these are current ones that are out there at the moment, 2020. Uh, 2021 is another one. That gives you time for the graduation, the degree, maybe six months of work experience. Might want to try that. 2025 is another one. And uh, another guy has prophesied by the end of 2057, Christ will return. So we've got a few options there. It's good to have options in life, isn't it? So, you know, we can, we can, you can basically pick and choose which one is the correct date and then adjust your lifestyle accordingly and and do what you need. But you know what? Dates also go backwards and have included the 28th of September 2015. Did you know that? 28th of September 2015, apparently Jesus was expected to return. Uh, Nobody told him. That's probably the problem. He didn't know about that date. 2012, he was meant to return. Here's another one. September 29, 2011. May 27, 2012. And May 18, 2013. Interestingly enough, all three of these were from the same man. Not bad, you get it wrong once, oh, well, no, I'm, next year, we'll go another 12 months, pick another day. Um, how many of you, you know, in the Old Testament, prophets were stoned when they got things wrong? Yeah? You ever read the Old Testament? The prophet came and, and, and said, look, I'm a prophet, therefore I'm standing as the very mouthpiece of God, and I'm going to tell you dates and times, and this is what God has said. And prophets could be stoned in the Old Testament if they got it wrong. I've got a funny feeling maybe this guy was stoned at the time when he came up with these prophecies as well, but a different kind. And then these dates are actually preceded by dates that range from the year 2000 all the way back to 500 AD. You know that? 500 AD, 500 years after Christ was the first prophecy that, oh, he's going to return then. So this is not new that we have people in our day and age who are studying and making it their life goal to work out when he's going to come back. It's not a new phenomenon. It's been going on for a very long time. But Jesus tried to, 2,000 years ago, put uh, an end to the discussion by going, guys, that's not what it's about. 
Forget it. You're not going to know when I'm returning. And then he goes on in Matthew 24 and 25 and begins to outline for them the real question, which is how are you going to live your life in between my first coming and when I return? What are you going to do with the time that you have? I've been once. We know that. We believe that. You're coming again. We believe that. But what are we going to do in the meantime? What if he doesn't come back till 3095? What if you're going to go to the grave before Jesus actually returns? How are you going to live your life? Because if we know when somebody's going to return, somebody's going to come back, we all know that we make adjustments in our world. You know, how many of you husbands, uh, maybe you've been at home or you've had the kids or whatever and your wife has been away for a week and the dishes are piled up and the, 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 the blankets are on the lounge because that's where you've been sleeping and you've got car parts on the kitchen bench and an hour before she gets home, kids, quick, let's clean. And you're running around and you clean it just in time so that when she walks in the house, it looks like she'd never left. Hmm? Don't, 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 pretend, don't pretend you... Eh? Come to your hands. <laughs> By the way, I'm not, I'm not pretending you ladies don't know about that as well. I'm sure when the men are gone and, and maybe things get a bit yeah, moved around and, you know, you get, uh, you shake, oh, I can't argue with my wife. I can't argue with her. She's saying it doesn't happen. False prophet. <laughs> um, so the fact is, when we know somebody's going to return, we do make adjustments. We live life a little differently. Um, but Jesus said, that's not the point. Don't try to worry about when I'm coming back so you can make adjustments an hour before or 10 minutes before so that you're ready in time. He's saying, live a life of readiness. What are you going to do with your life between now and then? And so for Matthew 24 and 25, he gives us some things about how we should actually be living our life here on planet Earth because our life counts. Our life matters. What we do here in, with the time that we have is important. And so we started looking last week at specifically the parable of the talents. And we all know the story. The master uh, calls his servants to him. He gives one one talent, one two talents, and one five talents. And he goes off on a journey. The Bible says he comes back at the end of his journey and he goes to the one with the five talents and says, well, let's talk about it. What did you do? He says, well, I made another five. Fantastic, excellent, enter into your rest. You've earned five. I'm going to give you more. Because you were fruitful, I'm going to give you even more to be fruitful with. The guy with the two, same thing. Then it gets to the guy with the one and he says, well, look, I know that you're a hard man and you, you know, you're, you're not the easiest sort of uh, boss to have around and so on and you probably would have got really angry if I lost anything or made a mistake so I buried it and hid it and here it is and gave it back. And the response of the master was, you wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. There was an expectation of fruitfulness. And in the time that we have here and the hours and the weeks and the months and the years that we have on planet Earth, there's an expectation from God that we would be fruitful with the time that we have. And when we look at the talents, it's fairly obvious to me that he's not talking about skills and abilities because the Bible tells us that the master gave to them their abilities, gave to them according to their abilities. So he doesn't go and give, I'm going to give you abilities according to your abilities. So the the talents represent something else. Although abilities and talents I'm all for, we can interpret it that way. But the way we're choosing to look at it and the way that makes most sense to me is to accept that the talents represent two things, opportunity and responsibility. The master gave them opportunity to be fruitful and he gave them the responsibility 
to do something with what was given to them. So last week we started looking at this whole issue of opportunity. And we just want to draw a few points out of that. And the first thing we looked at is that opportunity comes to everybody. Everybody gets opportunity. The guy that got one, some I got two, some I got five. But everybody got something. And all of us have been given opportunity in life to be fruitful. None of us can sit here or stand before God or complain to God or get to the end of our life and go, well, I'm just where I am because I had no opportunity, no control, no chance, no choice. Life just packaged me in and popped me in the corner and that was it. We're not going to get away with that because all of us are given opportunity to change, whether it be to change our externals, whether it be to change our internal perspective, whether it be to change a point of view, whether it be to change a tiny area of life or a massive area of life, we all get opportunity. The problem is we just don't look for them. We don't see the opportunity that's presented towards us. We don't see every choice that you get to make is an actual opportunity to change. Every choice that you get, every time you get to make a decision, that is an opportunity for you to be either fruitful or unfruitful in your world. The second thing I want to have a look at here out of this parable is the point that ability attracts opportunity. Okay, Ability attracts opportunity. The Bible says in, in uh, 25 and verse 15, it says, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. So in other words, your actual abilities in life attract opportunities. We've just recently put out applications. I'm the president of the Ballina Touch Football Association. And every year we get ready for our representative season and we send teams to Port Macquarie for the state championships in December and then in February we send junior teams to state championships down in Port Macquarie as well. It's a fantastic sport and we get lots and lots of kids uh, that want to come along and try out to these teams. We're having trials uh, today uh, down at, at um, Saunders Oval in Ballina. My little girl's going to go down there and have a bit of a run, see how she goes. Where is she? Uh, she's hiding up the back. Chloe's going to go down and have a run. But before we put an announcement out for players to come, what we do is we put out an expression of interest for coaches to apply. Now, what we do in that is we say, here's a form, fill out that form. What do we want to know? We want to know a little bit of your skills and your abilities and your experience. We want to know who you are and what you bring to the table. What we're basically saying is we want to know that you have the, the ability to be given the opportunity of coaching this side. Do you have the ability to help these kids develop as players? Do you have the ability to do the job, therefore to have the opportunity to perform the task? Um, we've all filled out job applications. What do you think a job application is? They want to know your skills and your abilities to know whether they will give you the opportunity to have that job or not. Yeah? We want to know that who are you, what can you do, what do you bring to the table, because every opportunity uh, needs a certain skill set to be brought to it, otherwise that opportunity will be an opportunity to fail. And God doesn't give us opportunities in life to fail. He says he gave to each according to their abilities. If God was to give the, five talent, the one talent man five talents, he would have been setting him up to fail because he didn't have the ability to handle five talents. So God would have been setting him up to fail, but God never sets anybody up to fail in life. God sets us up to be fruitful. God is working out ways to draw out what is in us and to help us be fruitful contributors to society. To put us in a place where we feel like we're actually able to contribute. 
Not with expectations on us. How many of us have ever been in jobs where we had expectation placed upon us, opportunity to do something, but we knew we don't have the skill set or I don't have the personality or it's not within my scope of reason or understanding to even be able to do that. Therefore, I feel like I'm being set up to fail. God doesn't set us up to fail. God gives us opportunity according to our ability. Now, let me tell you something. This might be a shock to some of you. I've never, ever been given the opportunity to ride on a boat in the Sydney to Hobart yacht race. Isn't that terrible? Nobody has ever come to me and said, Alan, we need a crew for the Sydney to Hobart yacht race, and we think that that you've got what it takes, and we want you to... Michael has. Toxie has. Why do you get all the opportunities? Seriously, why do you get asked all the time? Oh, I own a boat shop. I can sail. So what? Why, why, why has no one ever... Why, why have they... I don't get seasick. It's just unfair. It's unfair. Why... why I'll tell you what would happen if I got the opportunity. I'd get on the boat. Within about five seconds, I would begin my worship routine. You know that worship routine I do when I get on the boat where I bow my knee to the great God of the ocean, Ralph? (laughs) Oh, what am I doing here for, Ralph? Why am I here, Ralph? Is it nearly over, Ralph? So I'm never going to get an opportunity to sit on a boat on a Sydney to Hobart race. I do not have the skills and the abilities to do it. Michael Coxey has done, how many, how many Sydney to Hobarts have you done? Six Sydney to Hobarts because he has a skill set, an ability set that attracts that opportunity. And power to you, power to you. It's a fantastic opportunity. But I'm never going to get that opportunity because I don't have the abilities that are going to attract that opportunity. This doesn't sit good with some people because some of us feel like, well, you know, everybody should get every chance in life. We all know that that just simply doesn't happen. Um, Now, here's the thing. If it's true that ability attracts opportunity, if that's true, and I believe it is, and I believe the very nature of the world around us proves that to us, okay? Most every other area of our life proves that to us. Ability attracts opportunity. Here's the thing then number one, I'm probably getting the opportunities I deserve right now. I'm probably getting the opportunities that I deserve right now. I'm probably getting the opportunities that my ability can handle. Possibly. not saying blanket across the board, but I'm saying if ability attracts opportunity, then maybe, maybe I'm getting the opportunities that my skills and my abilities afford me to have. One Samuel two seven says this. It says the Lord makes poor and makes rich. It says he brings low and he lifts up. Psalm seventy five six and seven says exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts up another. I believe in a God who gives me opportunity. Therefore, possibly, possibly, if I'm not getting opportunity and God is really sovereign, and God is in control, and God is on my side, and God is for me, and God is setting me up for success and not for failure, maybe I'm getting the opportunities that my abilities warrant. Maybe I'm getting the opportunities that I deserve. And secondly, if I want more opportunity, then what am I doing to increase my abilities? What are you doing with your life to increase 
the potential of opportunity to come your way. What are you doing? You want a promotion at work and you keep getting passed by for that promotion. Well, is there an opportunity, is there an ability that you're not developing, something you can do to make you more attractive for that opportunity to come your way? Is there something you can learn? Let me tell you something. My wife sitting here graduates university in a few weeks' time. She has, yep, she's done an amazing job. She has done something that I will humbly confess I could never, ever have achieved. I could not have done what she has done. Uh, sat up late and done assignments and had to... So when she first started, she couldn't do uh, referencing. She couldn't even use the computer to do... She's had to... And you know what? I was nothing. I, I couldn't help with any of it. It's like, here's my wife going, how do you do it? I'm like, you know what? I ain't got a clue. So she's had to even find out how to find out things because I couldn't even help her. But she has gone through this. She's done uh, university and, and everything like that. And in a few weeks' time, she's going to graduate. But at, at the beginning, one of the reasons why she did it was because she wanted to get a job in a particular area of society. But she realised four or five years ago, whenever she started, that in order to get that kind of a job, I'm going to have to do some things, increase my skills and abilities so that I can put myself in a place where I have the opportunity to do that. Yeah? And what do we need to do? What do you need to do to increase your skills or your uh, abilities if you're not happy with the opportunities that you're getting in life right now? What can you do to increase your skills and your abilities? People say, I'd love to play sport, but I'm not fit enough. I hear this one all the time because I'm involved in different sports. I always hear people say, um, I'd love to play sport, but I'm not fit enough. So, okay, then why don't you join a gym or why don't you start running and why don't you get fit enough so that you can take the opportunity to play in a sporting team? Why don't you get fit? Why don't you start moving your body and put yourself in a position where you have the opportunity to do that? I'd love another job, but I don't know anything else. Or I'd love a promotion, but I never get the chance. Then do a course. Read some books. Get educated enough to attract the opportunity for a change or a promotion. You know, when I started working at Dan Murphy's uh, years ago, I knew nothing about that industry, nothing, not much about retail. I'd worked in a lot of other jobs. But um, when I walked into there, I didn't know much about much. And the day I walked in there, they told me, we're just going to employ you as a worker. You're not going to have any management, any, any leadership, nothing. We just want you to go out the back and we just want you to chuck boxes around. That's your job. But they said, we're not going to appoint a back dock supervisor until the end of the Christmas holidays because we opened in November and they actually said, there was another guy with me and they said, he will be the guy running the back dock and this is what's going to happen. But we can't officially appoint them until the end of the next two or three months when we get through the Christmas period. You know, by the end of that Christmas period, they pulled me into the office and they said to me, "Uh, would you be interested in having that job instead? Because we have seen you have the skills and abilities and you've worked hard and you've done all the right things. So we want to now give you the job instead of giving it to this other guy. And so I got my job as back dock supervisor. What I then did is I realised, okay, I don't want to just be a backdock supervisor, I want to get into management. How do I do that when I don't know anything about anything? So I would come home at night and I would get online and I would research products. I would look up companies. Whenever an opportunity came up to go to the Gold Coast or Brisbane and do a course, I would jump in my car, pay for my own fuel, I would drive up there to sit through an hour and a half course just to learn a couple of bits of information, stuff that would make me uh, more employable, stuff that would put me in a position that when that opportunity came up for a management job, I could tick the boxes and go, well, I know this, I can do this, I've learnt this, I've shown this, I've done this. 
Whenever they would ask somebody to go and to speak, and I did a bit of speaking, I would go to uh, groups, rotary clubs and things. I, I, I would go up the Gold Coast and I would man tables for different companies and, 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 and uh, do workshops and things like that. The, the Ballina Fine Wine Food Fair a couple of years ago, I had to do a, a half-hour whiskey presentation and talk to all these people. And I got all these people sitting here to make their own and they're asking me questions. But, you know, I had to, for, for months leading up to that, get into books, get online, get on YouTube, ask questions, contact, and, and educate myself in order to put myself in a place to get that opportunity. In the space of about two years, I'd gone from being a nobody to being uh, almost a 2IC there, up in management, and I was told by the store manager that they'd never seen anybody, and she'd been in Dan Murphy's for about 15 years, she'd never seen anybody go so quickly from where I was to where I was in management. Now, how did I get that opportunity? I failed high school. Uh, I, I did dismally in year 12. I stayed there for the parties, and they weren't that great anyway. Um, I didn't have any motivation or drive or discipline. I, I, didn't, I wasn't that I was stupid. I just had no drive. But then I find myself in this position, and in a couple of years, I'm all of a sudden management in a very successful um, uh, retail outlet. And I got there because I realised that I'm going to have to add some things to my world, take some time, it might be uncomfortable, it might cost me some money, it might cost me some time. But if I want to get greater and bigger opportunities in my life, I can either sit there and whinge about the fact that I don't have them. I can sit there and complain about the fact that I don't have them. I can point fingers and go, oh, that person's just unfair. They just got that because they're their best friend or they play golf with them on the weekend. Or I, could, I can do that, all that. I can, I can go that road and, and blame everything externally like the one talent man did and go, well, the reason I did nothing was because of you, the master. Your personality, you're too harsh, you're too hard, so I did nothing with it, all because of you. Or... I can go, hang on a second, if ability attracts opportunity, I'm actually in control of my ability. I can add to what I have and add to what I know. So ability attracts opportunity. So what are you doing in your life right now? If you can think of a realm of your world that you want to change, a job you want to change or a a situation, a circumstance or whatever, something you'd like to attract into your world, well, what abilities and skills do you need to attract that? And then what can you do to get a hold of those skills and those abilities? They're not just going to fall into your lap. They don't just fall into your lap. You've got to put some time, effort and energy in. But ability attracts opportunity. So number one, everybody gets opportunity. Number two, ability attracts opportunity. Number three, we've just touched on this, not every opportunity is for everybody. Not every opportunity is for everybody. Although everybody gets opportunity and ability attracts opportunity, not every opportunity is for everybody. You know, we're all unique human beings. We've all got a different skill set that we can add to. But let me tell you something. I will never be a university lecturer. It doesn't matter how many books I read. I'm just not wired in my very DNA that way to be a, a university professor speaking on astrophysics. It's just not going to happen. I know the areas of my ability that I can build and I know the areas of my ability that can take me down new paths, but I'm also self-aware enough to know that there are certain things that I won't be. Not that I'm not good enough, it's just that I'm not created that way uh, and those opportunities are not going to come my way because I'm just not that person. I'm not that kind of person. I can't sit... I've got friends of mine and you ask them what they do for a living and they'll tell you that they're, I'm an academic I still don't know what that means. If anyone can enlighten me about that, please let me know. But I've got friends of mine and that's their job. So what do you do? Well, I'm an academic. It's like, okay, but what does that mean? Like, what do you do? What do you do? What's an academic do? You know, read. Read what? Anyway, I'm never going to be one of those types of people because of the way that I'm made up and the way 
in which I see the world and so on. So not every opportunity has to come my way. You know, when, when you get around church long enough, and you've probably all experienced this, there are people that sit in churches, for example, and they'll sit there and they'll whinge and they'll complain. Why am I not preaching every second week? Why am I not up the front preaching? I should be up the front preaching. Best way to describe that is this. Let's say, for example, you, were, you, you ran a, a counselling business. right? Would you just let me come along and take one of your clients and sit down for two hours in your business and just start counselling? Even though I'm, I don't have any can, much counselling knowledge or ability, would you let me just go and sit down in your counselling business and counsel your people? What, what about anyone here, a builder? What if you own a building? You know, and I just rocked up one day and said, just give me a hammer and some nails. I'm going to build a couple of walls in this million-dollar home you do. I'm just going to do it. Why? Because I'm here? Why, why, why can't I get that up? Why won't you let me do that? Come on, I can bang a hammer. I can hold a nail. Come on, give me the opportunity. Not every opportunity is for everybody. We're all made and wired different ways. Check this out. Mark chapter 5, verse 37. And he, this is Jesus, permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. This is when Jesus went in to heal Jairus' daughter. How unfair of Jesus. Jesus is unfair. Why would he take Peter, James and John? Why did nobody else get to go in? That's a bit unfair. Why did nobody else get the opportunity to go on in to that? Jesus is unfair. He's unfair. What about Matthew 17, verse 1 to 2? So six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John. He led them up a high mountain. As the men watched, Jesus appeared changed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothing became dazzling white. They went up on top of a mountain and Jesus had this amazing experience, encounter with God, and they got to see it with their own eyes. Why, did, why didn't everybody else get the opportunity to see that? That would have been an amazing opportunity. could have changed all of their lives. Why did they not get that opportunity? Why would he just give it to these three people? The other nine must have been pretty brassed off about it, I'd imagine. They probably all felt like, well, what's, oh, I could have been there. I could walk up a mountain just as good as them. I could sit there just as good as them. Hey? Why would you not give me the opportunity? Matthew 26, verse 36 to 38. Then Jesus brought them to an olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go on ahead and pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. He began to be filled with anguish and deep distress. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch me. Why? Did they get the opportunity to go a bit further with him? Why did they get the opportunity to hear him suddenly break a little bit and go, my soul is panicking here. I'm actually really, really struggling. Why did they get the opportunity? Why did the other nine get the opportunity? Now, we can theologise about it and talk about their intimacy with him and talk about where... And a lot of that is all true, but at the end of the day, they got the opportunity because that's what he gave them. That's what God gave them. That's the opportunity that God gave to these people. Not everybody gets every opportunity in life. And when we come to peace with that, we can actually begin to enjoy the opportunities that we have. Instead of constantly complaining about the opportunities in life that we don't get. Don't stone me for what I'm about to say next. Okay? Hold your stones. We put the bag of stones away, didn't we? And don't throw lettuce at me either because he's given them lettuce. One of the things I hate about an equal opportunity society. A, I am for equal opportunity. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But one of the things I hate about equal opportunity is that it provokes people to focus on the opportunities they don't have to the point where they don't appreciate or embrace the opportunities we do have. 
We start focusing more on what we can't do, what we're not allowed to do, what's not fair about life, instead of embracing and running with the fact that there's a lot of things about life that are fair. Now, I'm not saying we don't fight for equal opportunity. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't areas of our world where opportunity is not equal and we need to, in the right means and fashion, stand up for that and, and, and make a bit of noise, and I'm all for that. But what I'm saying is individually. If we get too caught up in it, we spend our time focusing on the opportunities we don't get, and as when we do that, we begin to diminish and not enjoy and experience and embrace the incredible opportunities that this life has given to us and that our, where we are right now and who we are affords us right now. I don't know if any of you noticed, but a few weeks ago I was driving around in a beautiful diesel Ford Mondeo. Anyone see me driving in that? I looked pretty good. I did, I'm telling you now. Um, anyone not see me in that? Anyone take a photo? I didn't. Beautiful diesel Ford Mondeo. Friends of ours went overseas. They went to New Zealand for a little bit, and they, they, while they were over there, they gave me the keys and said, look, you can, would you like to use the car for a start? And I said, well, let me pray yes. Um, <laughs> so I took the car. The unfortunate thing is when they came back and they asked for it back, I did flick a text and go, look, we, we didn't talk about this. Okay, you just said, did I want the car? <laughs> I'll have to pray about it. Um, and, um, yeah, I think God said yes. Um, so anyway, I drove around in this car for about four weeks and then on the last day I got a text message going, we're flying back into the country tomorrow, Dad's going to pick up the car and is that okay? And begrudgingly I said yes, it took me an hour to type Y-E-S and press send. But anyway, I did it and I sent it off to them and you know, as you can imagine, I wasn't highly excited about the prospect of jumping out of that back into my 1998 Camry with no rear shock absorbers whatsoever, it's just bang, bang, bang. Good thing coming into summer is I'm about to create a sunroof. The rust is eating through, so all I've got to do is go like that while I'm driving and I'll have a sunroof in my car. So there are some positives and I'm excited about that. But as you can imagine, the excitement factor was quite low as I handed that car back over. Do you know what God said to me? God reminded me about how I got that particular car. The way I got that car was this. We had a Tarago van and, and I remember going down to footy training one day when I was coaching at Bell in the Rugby League and I, a lot of the parents had dropped their kids off and I'd load them up after training. And I got in and I turned the key and I heard this bump and basically everything from about my bottom down fell out the bottom of the car all in one moment. And that was the end. That was the end of my car. Now, what happened was around the same time, would have been give or take a couple of days and nobody knew about this, friends of ours were moving down south to Melbourne. They rang me up and he said, look, I've got this car. When we move down there, we're going to use public transport. We want to downsize. Would you like to have my car? And I said, yes. Isn't that perfect timing? God knows so many things that we don't know. And so I got this 1998 Camry for $0. These friends of mine, they've got the opportunity to lease a Ford Mondeo. They pay weekly, pay a lease for it. That's the opportunity that God gave to them, to have that car and to, to have a lease option. That's their opportunity. Why did I not get the opportunity to do that? I don't know. But you know what? I get the opportunity every time I jump in that thing to drive around town in a miracle. For a little while, I forgot that. And I started going, well, God, why can't I have an opportunity like this? Why can't? And then I realized, you know what? I don't have that opportunity, but I have the opportunity to drive around every day in a car and say, thank you, God. I'm only in this thing because you know stuff that I don't know and you gave me this miracle. So we don't all get the same opportunities, but we do get opportunity. We need to learn to embrace the ones that we have. If we're not happy with the opportunity we have, then do some things to improve yourself. Learn, get educated, become more interesting. Whatever it is that you've got to do to attract those opportunities, meet the right people. Do what it is that you need to improve those opportunities. Apart from our natural abilities, now we all have different calls and different gifts. God put us here 
for different purposes. We've got different strengths. We've got different weaknesses. We've got different ways of looking at things, at situations, at looking at the world. We've got different backgrounds that we bring to the table. We've all got different things that make us up, different things that give us, put us as prime candidates for differing and varying opportunities in life. The point is to learn to see the opportunities, to embrace the opportunities, and to run with the opportunities, not be people that are whinging and complaining and blaming and pointing fingers and focused on what we don't have. There's enough people like that in the world. There are enough people out there consuming the world by focusing on what they don't have. Okay? I don't believe as a church we're called to live like that. I believe we're called to live above the norm. You know, there's an expectation. We'll finish here. I've got one point to go. We'll finish it off next week. There's an expectation. I'll finish it now. Why not? Point number four, opportunity always produces fruit. Every opportunity that we get in life produces some sort of fruit. You know, we are called to live above minimum expectation. I believe that's a word for the church. I believe that's biblical. We are called to live above the normal standards of the society in which we live. And it's a shame when as a church we settle for what is the societal norm. You know, it's normal for people to not try to to, to, to improve themselves or better themselves. It's normal for people to be consumers instead of going, how can I contribute to the world? I don't want to be whinging, complaining about it. What can I do to make the world a better place? What can I do to make my family a better family? What can I do to give of myself to, to another group of people? What can I do to make the world a more healthy, whole society instead of sitting back and whinging and complaining? about the state of affairs and the way things are. I believe we are called to live above that. And the story of the talents, the parable of the talents shows us from the master's perspective, there's an expectation that you and I would bear fruit. Amen? There's an expectation that we would be fruitful. If we're happy to not be fruitful, then let me tell you something. You are missing out on an aspect of God. You are missing out on an aspect of your calling. You are missing out on connecting with God and being involved in the work of God here on planet Earth. Just in closing, one of the saddest truths, saddest truths about this parable is that the one talent man had the same chance to double what he had. You know... None of us in this room determined where we started in life. None of us did. You couldn't determine the family you were brought into the world in, the circumstances you were brought into the world. Most of us, for most of our life, couldn't determine what we ate, why we dressed, uh, where we lived, who our social network was. None of us were in control of where we started. But if there's one thing I get out of this parable of the talents, it's that every one of us have control over where we're going to finish. You could start with one, you can finish with two. You can start with five, you can finish with ten. You can start with one, you can finish with ten. Or you can start with one, finish with nothing. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your word, God, and and, and thank you for the encouragement in your word to us, God, that, uh, Father, we are called to be fruitful. We are called to contribute to society, God. We're called to add value to the world around us, to add value to the people around us, God. Father, we're called to, to uh, Lord, reach for higher and reach for better. God, not just to, to sit back and be content with being uh, normal as the world would say is normal. God, I feel like as, as a church, even as people, God, if, if our, uh, my shadow is not healing the sick, God, so I know there's so much more of you out there for me. 
God, I feel like there's so many more opportunities to embrace, so many more things to do, God. There's so much more positiveness I can bring to this world. There's so many more opportunities that I can shine the gospel light out there in society. And Father, never let us, uh, God, just be content with the bare minimum. We're not called to be bare minimum people. But God, we are called by you, by the power of your spirit, to rise above the bare minimum and to do something productive with our life. So Father, speak to each of us this week as we go through the week. God, show us those little areas of opportunity. Open our eyes so we can see uh, where the opportunities are. And then give us the strength, the power and the wisdom to take those opportunities and to do something and to turn them into fruit in our own world and fruit for the kingdom of God and fruit for the society around us, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless. Don't forget to grab your lettuce. Not letters, your letters from up the back as you leave. Uh, if you've got a connect group this week, have a great connect group. Uh, those of you that are part of the family, the letterbox is up the back there if you, you need to use it. Otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you all here. The connect group, we'll see you next Sunday.